0: This is the Way It Ought To Be podcast with Paul DeZay and Brandon Andrus.
1: Hey, this is the Way It Ought To Be podcast. My name is Brandon Andrus and I'm sitting here with Hey, I'm Paul DeZay. Paul Desai. You
0: got nothing, do you? I
1: did, but I forgot it as soon as we got into it. It's all good.
0: God, I don't need a name. <laughs>
1: yeah. How's it going?
0: It's going fantastic, man. How about yourself?
1: Good, man. You know what? I think I had ideas whenever we started this podcast that we would rock it through like eight episodes, eight weeks, two months, and we would be done. But here we sit in
0: December.
1: We should have been done three months ago. <laughs>
0: It's the it's the way uh, life rolls, isn't it? It's crazy.
1: It is. E- everything has come up in the meantime, and uh, you know it's good. It's given us a lot of time to let it settle,
0: for sure. And that's what tonight is—kind of like a kind of a recap, what we learn, those kind of things. And uh, yeah, it's been quite the ride. I've learned a lot, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking about that with you tonight.
1: Yeah, so that's what we are going to do is we're going to ask you guys as the listener to just join in on this part of the conversation where we revisit the last seven episodes and talk about what we've learned, uh, what we're thinking presently, how that has changed us, if at all, if there's been any sort of transformation in our thinking and how we see people, how we relate to people, and then how we move forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a... Like you know the thing about this particular topic is you know we were kind of going in doing an experiment I mean I don't know anyone who has had a third way conversation uh, and publicized it and said you know this is the way it ought to be and so I think for us we kind of just went into this have a conversation and see what happens but it's been quite the the journey there's been things where i've got I've questioned as I've gone through it there's some things where I've kind of had to pull back a little bit and uh, so I think it's been good I think it's been real good and I think there's There's a lot more, a lot more to learn. You think, huh? I do.
1: (laughs) I do. Well, let's start somewhere. I mean, you know, whenever we launched into this, admittedly, we had absolutely positively no idea what we were doing. We said, let's do a third-way conversation. And I don't even know if we really had any format decisions made. We certainly didn't. Uh, come to the table with uh, an outline or extensive notes or whatever. I think the intent from the beginning, at least the experimentation part was let's have a conversation. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it develops. So with that being kind of the foundation of where it all began, what are some of your early um, takeaways from what we've been through?
0: Well, so I, I had, uh, and I shared this very beginning, I mean, I had an understanding of what the third way is, uh, you know, from a, from a conceptual point of view. Uh, I've talked about it, I've preached about it, um, but it wasn't until we started having a real conversation that I realized how complex the topic is. And, and no matter what we're talking about, what we're talking about, uh, violence, nonviolence, what we're talking about, uh, uh, cancel culture, it doesn't really matter what the topic is, Uh, it's much more complex, even though we say, you know, things aren't black and white. Uh, it's, there's a third way, even talking about the third way, uh, presents some complexity. Um, you know, it's just not, you know, I I was having a conversation with my son and and something happened to school today in which one of the students was, uh, stereotyping, uh, police officers. Uh, saying they're all bad. And my son was like, well, no, 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 no. no. There's some good course police officers. There is, right? Uh, But, you know, life is so complex. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Uh, You can't put people in categories. Uh, Even the third way uh, is a very complex topic. Anyway, complexity, I guess, is one of the big ahas for me. It's much more complex than I originally thought or expected this conversation. Yeah.
1: Did you... Let me ask this. I mean, as somebody who's not in a pastoral position and you as someone who is, was there a time throughout any of this where where you were like, some of my language needs to change or, you know, because admittedly we are reaching out to people who are, I think, outside of the church or maybe younger who maybe do not identify with the regular church lingo, right? So was there ever a time where you were like, um, questioning how, how you say something, how we say something or the, con- cause I mean, I always felt like while we were conversing, I was thinking to myself, like there was always another mind right outside of my head saying, you know, be careful how you're saying this or be careful how... Um, the, the churchiness language that you're using, or maybe not everyone will understand it. Did you ever have that experience?
0: Well, yeah, uh, several times. So, I always think things through the lens of, of theology. It's just the way my brain works. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So, And I recognize that sometimes I kind of go way, way too churchy, way too deep, and I recognize that that doesn't translate across the board. Uh, I realized through this, and we've had some feedback from listeners, that sometimes our definition of words yeah. are, are off. So I might see the word <clears throat> pacifism a certain way. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, it could be defined by another person a different way. And so that brings complexity, whether it's churchiness or just even word definition. Yeah. I think that uh, it becomes difficult. I think there were times where I wondered if – Uh, people would understand some of the things like when we, and again, it's, it's not that uh, it's not that we are, are talking about uh, issues that are beyond comprehension by no means. Uh, But sometimes I wonder if, if uh, we speak the same language. Yeah. And I think that, you know, translating that to just general conversation, I think it's an important learning, right? Because when we sit down and talk with our neighbors or whatever, you know, the way we communicate the language that we use, the words we use them matter if we're going to be comprehended.
1: Yeah, I don't even know if there's an easy way for me to articulate this, but I've been having the sense, certainly since we've been doing this podcast, but I think even outside of this times when I feel like that language is so tricky that we are really people, uh, people who are I think a lot of times people who are trying to do our best to articulate thoughts, feelings, emotions, experiences, perceptions about the world, and we and and there's a varying degree of ways that we can communicate that. And I, I didn't say that right. I think that there is a spectrum of. People who have the ability to articulate exactly what they're thinking, but even that language is limiting. I don't know if that makes sense. Sure. So it's like you may have a deep experience, but whenever you articulate it, it may be very limiting. And I, I, I need to think through this a little bit more, but I was thinking about just the difficulty of, well, I mean, for myself. So let's go back to some of the conversations that we've had where. And this is maybe a place where we can have, where maybe I'm having a hard. See what I say? I'm 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 demonstrating (laughs) the difficulty. You can have an internal feeling, emotion, or an experience, and to try to articulate that feeling and emotion is nearly impossible, right? Because words are so limiting. And I think sometimes we don't do a very good job of of expressing what's inside. So if I have like this deep abiding love within my heart for people in general, and my motivation is goodness and benevolence towards another all the time, like I really deeply care about people and I want the best for all people. Sometimes whenever I talk, my language can inhibit that emotion or feeling. So sure. people so people wouldn't completely understand my emotion or feeling that I have inside, they would only understand the words that I'm expressing, right? right? And it's like these are the best offerings that I have to tell you what I'm feeling inside, but they are uh incomplete. Yes. Yeah. And so I think, how many times do we do that on a daily basis where everybody, not saying that everybody does this because people are leg- there are people who are trying to hurt other people with their words, but I think, how many times do we get in trouble where we have people with really super good intentions who are really trying to express something good and meaningful that just because of the culture that we have where we're quick to respond, quick to fight back, quick to reciprocate something that we don't do a very good job of it. And it creates more of a problem. And it tells me that we have a, a mercy problem maybe, or that we're, we're we're not as graceful as we could be, or, or to the bigger point of the podcast, that we're not very good about having a conversation to say, let's dig a little bit deeper in that, because maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. For sure. Right. And so it, that has been something with this podcast where it's like, whenever you have an open forum where you have a venue or an you know a venue to have an opportunity to have a conversation to go deeper into a topic, you can better understand where that person's coming from, right? So whenever we've had listener feedback and somebody's like, I don't think I completely agree with you. I think that after we've discussed a little bit more, had a back and forth, uh, dug a little bit deeper, I think everybody's like, ah, oh, that kind of opens our eyes to what you guys were talking about. But in our Facebook, Twitter, one line world, or even, you know, a culture that is quick to fight back—it's difficult to have that kind of that level of understanding.
0: For sure, and I think it brings up uh, another idea of: uh, Are we good listeners? And I, I, I think that for me, I could say that I've learned that I have more work to do and in improving as a listener. And here's the thing: so often when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about my comeback. Yeah, completely. I'm thinking about what am I going to say because I don't want to feel like a don't want to appear like a fool, not having something to say, right? <laughs> but you know, listening truly is listening to the words and the feelings and the emotions of the person, and and not only that, it's uh, trying to empathize with the person, uh, to find that deeper level of understanding, right? And that that is something that I think I have to grow in, and it's been uh, a learning experience for me. Is you know, and I've been in the business world before I got into ministry. I've been trained in how to do active listening. But practicing listening is a whole nother thing, uh, especially when you're in a conversation like this one, when we're talking about complex issues. in the third way is um, listening is, is very important.
1: Well, How many times have in, in all of the episodes that we've done, and it's probably been, let's just say, 50 minutes, 350, so four, say 350 to 400 minutes of recording six hours and a half how many times have we had dead silence for longer than 10 seconds? Mm, And it would be weird (laughs) on a a podcast (laughs) to have 10 minutes of complete silence where someone's just sitting there. But I think it lends itself to the point. We are not comfortable in conversations about taking in what a person has said and sitting with it because we are terrified of silence and, or, you know, maybe terrified about what the person will think that is telling us that we're just sitting there listening, but I think I'm the world's worst at listening or at, um, I'm a good hearer, but not a good listener. (laughs) And so I'm the world's worst because admittedly, I know that I have this problem. I'm a cerebral person. I think all the time. I'm thinking about everything all the time. And, in the mornings when I wake up and my wife and my son are getting ready for work and school and I'm sitting at the kitchen table drinking my coffee, I am off in another world mentally and my wife's talking to me and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And what did I say? No clue. Mm-hmm. And, and I recognize, especially through doing this, like how essential it's going to be for me as just a discipline to... As hard as it is, because we're not talking about something you've been doing for a year or two, it's like a lifetime of being this way, and this is kind of who I am, and I I, I think that I know this about myself, but I want to be better because it's, it's embarrassing for me, for my wife, to say at the end of the day, hey, did you pick up the bread that I asked you to, and I didn't do it, and it's small and subtle, and I know that that doesn't mean much, but it's like... If I can't even pay attention for a loaf of bread, like how good am I paying attention to somebody's life issues or problems or whatever? So I think for myself, walking away from this, I want to have a better discipline of listening and not just hearing.
0: Mm, That's good. All right. So we talked about complexity. We talked about uh, the difficulty in language, and we talked about the challenge of listening. What's another learning that that you, you had through this experience?
1: I think that one of the things coming into this, especially with the topics that we had written down on paper, this is an emotion that I don't feel a lot of times because I feel like that I I don't really have too big of an issue expressing or articulating difficult subjects or issues. But I think coming into this, I, I looked at the paper and I saw the difficult topics that we were going to be going through and I was fearful and because I thought these are things that I definitely have thought about a lot but I probably haven't spent I mean I I quit writing my blog probably a year ago and it's still out there I really haven't updated it and there are a lot of topics that we discussed that I probably could have been blogging about and Maybe there's a part of it with me where I thought maybe it's just better not to say anything because of the heat that I could take, and that's kind of weird for me to say because I feel like over the years I've not had a prob- I've not had problems just saying you know from a third way perspective this or the way of Jesus looks like this and this and you know I'll be honest i having this conversation, I was fearful coming into it and I think it was good, and and here's, here's why it was good. The fear was being misunderstood. And people thinking something about me that is maybe not true, because I know how quick, like we mentioned earlier, how quick people are to jump to conclusions, not to hear you all the way through, not to understand your heart and where you're coming from. And what I learned from this is that With you and I sitting here and with the listening audience sending us emails and correspondence, everybody was really gracious and everyone was wanting to sit down at the table and have the conversation. It almost makes me wish that we could have them all sit at a table where we could have a meal and talk. But there was a sense of community and camaraderie that I wish we had more of in real life and not just on
0: a podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. I wish that as well. I think that this has been good. Um, but I think that there, in a certain way, this is just practice for something else, right? And so there is opportunities to have those meals with other people. And so then that becomes almost real where this has been, hey, we're friends. We can have this conversation and we're going to love each other through it. Uh, sometimes the risk of entering into these conversations, I mean, just like you, you shared, the fear of m- being misunderstood, that's going to be real when we talk to a stranger or a neighbor, or a coworker. Uh, and enter into a third way, and we might be misunderstood.
1: But I think it, you know, to, to to maybe take it a step further, I think it exposes the limitations of social media and the reality that unless you're in a private group where you're you, you are exhausting yourselves with the back and forth of really trying to understand each other, the platform's, the, the the public platforms are not conducive to deep understanding
0: no, conversations.
1: And so, you know, I, I backed out of those a long time ago, so it's really not instructive for me. But maybe it'd be helpful for some of the listeners to really think through, like, is this beneficial for me to enter into deep conversations, n- not deep conversations, but... Um, maybe pull back a little bit and not throw out as not throw. I hate to say it this way, but not throw your pearls to the swine. Right. Because I think these are venues that are not conducive to edification or building each other up or helping each other out or helping each other grow. Um, You know, I'll, I'll say this. I put out a couple of Facebook posts about a month ago. One of them said, daily wisdom don't read the comments and i only put out that daily wisdom not for other people but for myself um and then probably three weeks later i had a friend she probably didn't see my post but she wrote i shouldn't have looked at the comments and then I, i took a picture of my post and put it underneath of her thing and she's like yeah i wish i would have seen that but i think that that's true man i we, we are the worst when it comes to, I mean, Twitter's just a cesspool, but Facebook has gotten as bad, especially in open public comments, and you know it, it's ugly. And th- those aren't the places where real life's happening, where people are investing in one another and helping each other out and trying to understand. Um, so that's just some thoughts I have. Yeah,
0: and I think we're, we're living in, 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 no matter what social media, we're leaving, living in an echo chamber world. So I'm surrounded by people who agree with me. Um, and the only people who uh, are going to enter into a disagreement are trolls for the most part, right? And so that's a weird place to be. Uh, that's not real conversation. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that you're right. I think we need to reevaluate uh, the way that we enter into third-way conversations. Probably social media is not the the venue for that. Um, and I think that's, that's – I mean, a lot of us have habits there, right? Some deep yeah. habits. So it's going to take some retraining.
1: Hey absolutely and and I think that that's the other thing we had a conversation about culture war one week and I think that there may be people who are like well wait isn't this the battleground isn't social media the place where we you know gird our loins and pull our swords and go with it with words and
0: I don't know I that's that's not a fight
1: that I want to
0: fight yeah I agree I agree uh you know I was thinking of something else man not to not to change the subject but in this third way conversation and and, and see if you agree with me here. So, and uh, when we taught politics, for example, we got the left and the right, Republicans, Democrats, and here we are saying a third way, a third way of Jesus. I think through this conversation, the challenge that I've been wrestling with is, is the third way, or could the third way be uh, my third viewpoint instead of Jesus's third viewpoint, the third way? In other words, it'd be very tempting for me to create a third way of my own choosing and leave Jesus out of it. I think that's a real thing. I I, I think when you enter into politics, for example, uh, we disagree with the left and the right, so let's come up with a third way because we disagree with both. And that third way that we come up with might not look like Jesus at all. So I think we have to be really careful. I think there's a temptation to make, even when we're talking about the third way, to make it about us.
1: Yeah, I I, I find that. You know, at least from observation, I find that to be incredibly difficult for people to do. I I, I mean, maybe even for us. I don't want to act like that we, we know, because I certainly don't. I think the last podcast that we did, I said we're 2,000 years away trying to wrestle with this guy who lived this life where we have a few gospels that tell us about him. Four, not few, but... And I think... That's what happens. I mean, that's that's what has happened. That's what continues to happen is you take this figure that's a historical man in a time and a place that we hardly understand. We do our best to discern the culture and the history, but the truth is we don't understand it, and we're trying to say, you know, how, how would we do a third way? And I, I think while we've tried to split – the seams a little bit and say, you know, let's keep from pasting Jesus on to an ideological point of view, because you hear people say, Jesus is a Republican, Jesus is a socialist, Jesus is a communist. And it's like, ah, we're just superimposing Jesus on all these very limiting um, ideas that we have. And I don't think that that's helpful. I mean, there are times where Jesus may have looked a little bit more like this or a little bit more like that, but I think that's the problem that we have. We do too much cut and paste. And so I, I'm going to throw it back at you because I feel like that this really truly is a problem. Like, how does a person navigate that? How, how do you keep from um, saying this is the third way and all you've done is really kind of create your own third way and slap Jesus's name on it? Mm.
0: I think it's a great point. I think one way that we have to uh, remember is that Jesus uh, associated quite a bit of time with people on the margins. Yeah. And uh, we've had this conversation about privilege and all of that. But I think that uh, kind of a check is, does this third way kind of make sense, whatever topic we're talking about, to people on the margins, Mm -hmm. those who Mm -hmm. have been disenfranchised by – Whatever systems that we're talking about, and if it doesn't make any sense to them then I think I need to reevaluate uh, whether the third way is truly the third way of Jesus or is it just a third way of my choosing I don't know that's just the first thing that came to mind uh, is uh, you know the people on the margins what are, how are they processing it?
1: <sighs> no no, I think it's spot on I just think I, I I find it to be a very difficult thing I mean oh. Just, I think, look, you're you're spot on with that. I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever, because I absolutely 100% agree with it. The thing that we see time and time again with Jesus is that he was very good with and was very fluid in moving between groups. So, I think at the same time he could speak truth to power, but he was still in the midst of the powerful right absolutely he would still dine with the same people but he would spend his time with the poor and it's like i think that he was very deft at balancing that of see and and that's what i'm saying there there was a, a fearlessness with jesus of about being able to go into those powerful places and not compromise truth not compromise the third way not compromise this kind of transcendent ideological perspective and i think going back to myself even entering into this conversation i thought man there there are places where i'm just fearful to talk right and and i thought how how effective how effective am i at navigating people of power or groups that are more in vogue or Uh, you you know what I'm saying? Like, how good am I going to be in those situations if I can't even, I mean, I felt like that this is turning into a huge confessional, but at at one time I kind of felt like maybe it was just easier for me to beat up on right wing Republicans because, you know, within the church, because that's what I grew up within. Maybe maybe I was more comfortable with it, but but I think if I'm going to be really honest, I feel like that, a lot of them took it pretty well because I feel like that even though there were a lot of right, right wing um, Christians, I think that whenever you would push them about the power systems or whatever and, and talk about Jesus, there was a willingness to say, you know what? We're willing to listen. I mean, they weren't combative, but doggone it. I feel like that over the last probably four, five years that Progressives and maybe some in the church are just meaner. (laughs) They're just, uh, and I mean, I'm just trying to be honest about where. And it's not all of them. I don't want to paint a uh, broad stroke here, but I'm just telling you, it, it can be way more vicious. And and I've said this before. Either side can become incredibly self righteous in their rightness to the neglect of the third way and so what i'm trying to get at with this big long answer is i want to be better at being fluid between groups i don't want to identify with anyone in particular i want to be able to speak truth whenever i see you know either side not looking like Jesus, and I hope that they tell me when I don't. I'm not saying that I'm the arbiter of the way of Jesus, because I'm certainly not, but I feel like that maybe walking out of this, I want to do a better job of just really pushing and challenging the systems of power, even if it's just ideological, of really pushing people toward a third way more.
0: Mm. That's good. That's good. And I think those are something that I need to wrestle with. As well, we we named this podcast the way it ought to be, for a reason, right? We we believe that the 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 word shalom, which we've talked about over and over and over again, uh, is the way that God desires things to be. What if we get that wrong? What if our definition of shalom is wrong? You know, does the you know so there's a theological perspective here. If if our our telos, our end game, is off. Of what god desires uh could we end up with the wrong understanding
1: well, uh, well all i would say is who cares because it couldn't be any worse than what it well, is yeah, now yeah. <laughs> at least we're pointing okay. for okay. something you, a little okay. bit you, better you, good you,
0: grief you're <laughs> so I, th- this is the pastor in me that says you know, if, you know i think i think it's a i think it's an important part of the conversation we talked about it on the very front end about the Kingdom of God and the way it is, the way it ought to be, and things like that. I think we have to keep that foremost in our mind, that God does care about uh, every person on the planet. He cares about creation. He cares about all of these things and desires flourishing for all, um, not just me. And I think that, again, this is where my selfishness comes in. I want to be careful that I don't make all of this about me Mm -hmm. and my platform and my way where the third way really isn't at all about God's design for creation but it's really about what paul desay wants um and i think that's a real temptation in this
1: well and so i remember a question we got way way back and it ties into what you just said and someone was asking like tell us really concrete practical ways to do this Mm. right and so this is hard i see you bristling because you know the and and i'm i'm kind of the same way because i'm really great with the big ideas but i'm not so good with the uh the smaller uh parts of it but i'm going to take a shot at this and then i'll let you riff on it as well one thing i'm going to go ahead and steal what i imagine that you're going to say is we've got to get out of our Homogeneous zones. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> we got to get out of these uh, homogeneous areas that we um, operate within, and we've got to get out to other people that are different than us, especially people who are on the margins. and And I think that that's huge. So what that looks like, I would imagine, is. Going into places that you've never gone before, where you're actually meeting people, not that you're just going there for the sake of going, but if you are someone who's never been to a homeless shelter, then see if you can just do a meager job volunteering at a homeless shelter. Maybe you might go if, you know, maybe you might Visit a bar for the first time. I think I mentioned that on one episode. Challenged everybody in the church to get out of the church for a while and get into some of these places. But the the bigger idea here is get into areas where you're uncomfortable, where you're actually meeting people who are outside of these homogenous zones. Um, I, I have another one, but I'm going to pass it over to you, Paul, and let you throw some stuff out if you have anything. And then I've yeah. got another.
0: Yeah. I think when you, in, in piggybacking on what you just said about going into areas like a homeless shelter and stuff, uh, I have to be careful. Uh, and again, this is all confessional stuff that I don't approach this from kind of a Messiah complex where I am the savior yeah. going into the homeless shelter. This whole third way has taught me about, uh, that I have, uh, even though I may be helping somebody, I have, so much to learn from the person that I'm helping, that they are helping me. Uh, I'm learning from them as they are learning from me. And so I approach this for, to a certain degree, using the metaphor of the table, I'm inviting people to the table, um, uh, empowering them and giving them an opportunity to uh, to speak into whatever situation we're talking about. And that's so difficult. It's not the way it works in the church. We're, we go and we feed the poor and we feel good about it when we leave. Uh Instead of wondering like, well, they are uh, created in the image of God. They reflect the God that we worship just as much as I do. How can I understand God as I look into the eyes of the person that I, that I'm supposedly there to serve? Um, and that, that, is, that's huge. and yeah. that that's that's huge. And that's going to be, you know, as we move forward, that's going to be something that I'm going to have to wrestle with is, is, yes, getting into the margins. Yes, being with people that are different than me but not going into it thinking that I'm better. Yeah. And anyway.
1: I, no, I think that that's good. And honestly, I think it comes... I, I've talked to people in the past where their fear of... And this isn't speaking to you. I'm just saying this in general because it sparked the idea, but or sparked the thought. I've had people say, because of the fear of looking like a Messiah complex, I'm going to refrain from doing. Mm. And And all I would say to that is... Man, all of this stuff comes down to your own individual heart. I mean, let you be the evaluator of it. I just, like, when when Jesus washed feet, he wasn't having a Messiah complex about, you know, what are people going to think about me being the Messiah washing feet? He's just like, he legitimately wanted to wash his brother's feet. and. So I think it comes down to the individual. I wouldn't worry sure. so much about the optics. I mean, certainly if you're doing it for the image of, but man, if we start worrying about the perception, people's perception of us while we're doing good, good, genuine service to others, then people quit doing good, genuine service to others, which seems <laughs> like completely the wrong thing. Wrong thing. Um, one other thought that I had, was, and, and I've had this realization a lot more recently because for me as like, look, there was a time where I kind of felt like that I needed to do everything. I needed to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders and I needed to ring the bells at you know, the, the red kettles. I needed to go at the homeless shelter and serve. I needed to, you name it. I needed to collect coats for the people who didn't have coats. I needed to, and you could just make the laundry list. And I always wore this burden of feeling like that I needed to do everything. And I'm, I'm realizing more, and, and this is kind of difficult, but we all have certain ways that we can serve. And we all have certain gifts that we've been given. And mine has always been with writing and to it. Maybe a lesser degree talking <laughs> after this podcast, people are beginning to say, like, this guy thought that he could talk. Um, but I don't want to feel guilty about using what I can to help others, Yeah, right? And good. if there are other times where I can go serve in very tangible ways that I want to do that, but I'm just saying... If a person knows what they're really good at, use it for the benefit of others. Find creative ways to use what they can do and do it well for the benefit of the community. Whenever we talk about Shalom, it looks like if you're good at lending, then lend to your neighbor. If you're good at baking pies, then surprise your neighbor with the pie. It doesn't have to be like a, on a global scale all the time. It, what does generosity look like right now? My wife is amazing at just, just. there's no other way to say it, blessing people and we have two girls at Purdue right now. My wife went to the store and she had like little advent gifts that she got them each day and just wrapped them up. And she's like, I want you to open them each day. And I thought, man, I would have never thought about that, but it's blessing. She just knows how to do it. She knows how to check on other people and care for them. She knows how to, take care of her kids really well and are they're, they're, they're very lucky that they have a good mom because I'm not a very thoughtful dad. I'm very practical and I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm more of the, uh, yeah, maybe it's not fair. I was going to say more of the drill sergeant, but hopefully that's, that's not it. Um, but, but whatever gifts you have, use them well, use them for the benefit of other, because ultimately, as we talk about Shalom and, piecing this world back together. I think that we use the gifts that we have for that purpose. But, I mean, there's so much more to it, right, Paul? I mean, there's learning how to develop a discipline within us that knows how to forgive in tough situations. It's it's having the discipline to know when to, be, to use restraint with our words whenever it'd be easier just to lash back. It's having the discipline to... I, I could just keep going, but you know what I'm saying? Like th- there is very tangible outward ways that we can show people the third way, but then there are internal ways that we can develop to actually start living in a very, what would you say? Um,
0: well, it's it's living in a Christlike mature way, a loving way, caring yeah. way. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Yeah, I
1: guess the point is, I don't want people to think that it's always out. It, yeah. it, look, it's 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 this love, it's this kindness, it's this mercy, this grace that's manifesting outward in our lives. So as you're cultivating something inward, it's working its way outward. But we need to find ways that it can work its way outward. Uh, a light can't stay under, What it, what is that verse?
0: <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, a light on the bushel. What's something. a bush? I don't, I don't you know. I don't bush like that thing. Anyway, uh, and I agree completely. Um, one last thing I want to throw out and then I'm going to zip it. Right yeah. It, it, it was something that you mentioned way back when, in one of the first episodes. And I, I've been thinking about it so much is, is this idea of stepping back from the, whatever the topic is, it, no matter what's going on, whether politics or whatever is to step back from the argument or the conversations, and really reflect. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I wrote down the, this word, and I don't remember if we talked about it on that episode, but this word, exile. Um, you know, it's a biblical word. This idea that we're we're strangers in a strange land. So I think it's acknowledging that as Christians, as people who are following Jesus, this a lot of the things that we see around us aren't necessarily the way it ought to be. And so, we have to be careful that we just don't fit in so far, so well, that we aren't able to represent Christ in the way that we live. And so, remember that as, as good as this world is, as great as this country is, uh, we're still strangers here. Um, we're, we're people of a kingdom that's not of this world. Yeah. Uh, and so, that means that we are called to live differently. And so, those, those virtues that you mentioned of mercy and peace and those things that are inward, they're manifesting outward. Those are things that might look different than what we see in the world around us or what we see in the news or what we see even in our neighborhoods or city. Uh, we're called to be different. Yeah. So anyway, that's just something that stood out to me. is a stepping back from what we see around us, reflecting, really thinking it through and recognizing that we are called to be different.
1: I'm going to call that cocooning. Ooh, cocooning. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds weird. But no, I, I think you're spot on because I think – it's hard for us to have – for us to develop that kind of internal spiritual um, maturity mm-hmm. if we are constantly in – when we're constantly bombarded with stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like the idea of cocooning <laughs> is – Did you just make this up I like did. on the spot? I did, because yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really great. A,
0: your next book is going to be called Cocooning.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I would <laughs> – I, w- I wouldn't record that audio book cause I would laugh yeah. the whole time. But if you think about it, it's, it's the active removal and it is separating oneself for the process of transformation. Right. And I, I like that because it's, in my opinion, it, it's easier when you've removed yourself, when you find yourself in exile, when you can be very deliberate in solitude of being able to look inward, of knowing your impulses, of, of paying attention to what your body is saying, of being able to, uh, you know, I, I think you've got something there. So if you want to take the book
0: no, <laughs> book no. idea... I'll let you have cocooning. Man. Yeah, that's I- I- just too I'll weird I'll just write for me. one on, on exile. Right? Well,
1: the hashtag for this episode is cocooning. There
0: you go. Now, that's, I- what, that's what's going to be the the, la- the <laughs> last episode. Is not going to be reflections or learning. It's going to be cocooning. <laughs> People are going to look at it like, what the heck are those guys talking about?
1: Jeez, that's the dumbest thing I've ever come up with. I like the idea of it. I just don't like the name of it. So yeah. one last thing for me is... I would be absolutely remiss if I did not bring Tracy back into the conversation one last time. Um, As the listeners know, one of our other listeners, Tracy wrote in a few times, joined the virtual table and had a conversation with us about uh, several things. But one of the last things that she responded with that I didn't share because I wanted to make it part of the last episode is she said, she asked the question, you know, we, we've kind of overused this metaphor of the table Certainly. and she, I think she was having trouble with believing that maybe we always imagined that it was our table. And that's one of the things that I responded back. As I said, the way I imagine it is that no one owns the table. <laughs> it's not mine that I'm inviting people to it's us going to the table together. And I think that that's another big thing is and and i think that the distinction the nuance here is really important because it, it it may seem like even more privilege of like oh this is your table that you're going to invite everybody into all the time and I, I don't i don't really feel like that that's where i want to be i want to be at a place where there there is again some fluidity and people inviting me to their table or us joining each other at a uh, a, a separate table that's not owned by anyone or just joining at a restaurant or at a picnic table. But I, I think that that was important for me because in this conversation, in any way that we've ever come across as trying to exercise some sort of like massive privilege here, I, I, I want to take I want to acknowledge areas where I have privilege, but I certainly want to lay that all down and say, I, I want to work for the benefit of all people and good conversation of building people up and working for the betterment of the world for the healing and the restoration of it. And, and, and I think that that's really where my heart's, I don't care where the table is. I don't care who owns it. Let's uh, let's talk.
0: Mm, that's good. I, I think that's a great point though. I mean, you know, when we do the Eucharist or communion at church. We, We say this is the the Lord's table. It's his, not the church's. And I think that's a a great reminder that, you know, even as we enter into using the table metaphor, uh, to be careful that we we don't take privilege, that we're somehow showing mercy to somebody to give them a chair at our table. I think that, that I think that, I think she has something there, yeah. something to chew on. Yeah. But you're right. We want to lay that down. Yeah, if we ever communicated that in any way, shape, or form, we apologize. That's not our intention.
1: No. Hey, any last thoughts your way, Paul, as we kind of close out this season of the way it ought to be?
0: Uh, I want to read a quote, uh, and I can't tell you the author. Here we go
1: well if it's a really good quote then just describe it to me
0: okay uh, <laughs> the kingdom of god is always on the other side of the fences we construct mm. third way living is the holy mischief that wells up in our chest and ask if we're ready to hop said fence and paint a mur- mural on the other side or better yet turn it over entirely to create a table for all
1: man i like that really good <sniffs> Or just break down the frickin'
0: fence. Hmm. I, Jesus just tends to show up on the other side of everything. We Yeah, pray. yeah. Yep. So Anyway, that's a good, good thing for me to close with. You got any last words?
1: I don't. I just want to ask everybody to send some feedback and let us know what you think. Hey, if this has been a good podcast series for you, if you would share it with others, that would be huge. I think any way that we can continue and perpetuate this conversation, the better. The more people that we have just kind of rethinking the way that the world is and seeing a different perspective from the third way, I think it can only be helpful. And we have certainly enjoyed having all of you be a part of this. Um, Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a a real pleasure. And I think that that's it for me. I'm just really super honored to be a part of it, to have the conversation, to sit down, to get to know you even better, Paul, because we didn't know each other really well when we started. And I think that's it.
0: Yeah, that's all I got. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for the feedback. And thank you, man. I appreciate you spending the time in this conversation. So, yeah.
1: Thank you. Well, hey, if you guys want to uh, lastly rate and review the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, and you can do that. Uh, Again, share it with others. And if you want to reach out to us, it would be at the way it ought to be podcast at gmail.com. And for the last time, this has been Brandon Andrus
0: and Paul DeZay. Grace and Peace you